It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show, James Van Alsel. And it is car con carne. I'm James Van Alsel. It's quarantine con carne back doing these virtual for right now. I had all these false starts over the past year. I'm back in the car. I'm not back in the car. I'm back in the car. I'm not back in the car doing this for probably another few weeks until the fog lifts a little bit more. Uh, Episode 700. It is the stuff of legend. It happened earlier this week. You can watch all the videos. You can listen to all the episodes, Facebook, YouTube, Apple, Google, Spotify, Audible, et cetera, wherever you find such things. Uh, I want to mention that we're still in January, which for a lot of people is dry January. Uh, I've been drinking well-being in a beer. This is craft beer without the alcohol in it, and it is authentic. It is good. It is legit. In fact, I'm going to open this right now. It's the Going Places IPA. Cheers. (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, If you're looking for encouragement, something new to try as dry January is winding down or just February is coming up. Order online, wellbeingbrewing.com. Use my promo code. Take some money off. Take 10% off your order with the promo code JVO. Try the Going Places IPA. Or they also have a new oatmeal cookie stout, which is ridiculous. And that's a limited edition thing. So maybe stock up on those before they completely vanish from the digital shelves. All right. That out of the way. This is an interview show. And I brought for show and tell today the men of Cinco de Gatos. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Hi there. How you doing? So Cinco de Gatos is a Chicago band started almost 30 years ago. And just as soon as Cinco de Gatos came, they went and then they came back again. And then they went again. Then they came back and that stuck. And with a string of newish singles on streaming services and previously recorded content now available, there's a lot of Cinco de Gatos to pull from. So I guess let's start with the new, the new stuff you've been releasing. Is this by and large new versions of old songs, like updated versions of, of previously recorded stuff or written stuff? Uh, the, the single that we just put out is an updated version of uh, an, uh, an old song that's 25 years old, um, but it's a complete like reimagining of it. Um, we recorded it with Todd Rittman from uh, U.S. Maple and Dead Rider and <clears throat> went specifically to him to have a kind of a bizarre treatment of it. And, uh, and we got what we wanted out of it. So we're super happy with that. <clears throat> and the, the song you're talking about specifically. It's uh, called driving on red line. Uh, now 3000 miles and counting. It used to be three. Now it's 3000 because we're fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> and that is available on seven inch. Correct. Yeah. So I, I guess I mentioned the history. Let's talk a little bit about that. So post hardcore band mm-hmm. comes together in 1994 mm-hmm. Uh, you were right there, ground zero, that storied independent music scene. Uh, you were contemporaries with the likes of Braid and Captain Jazz back in the day. Whenever that era comes up, specifically in Chicago, it, it, people who weren't there view it as Camelot, as this utopian musical true. environment. Is it true or false? Or that it was or false. wasn't? Very false. false. <laughs> <laughs> the voice it, was, just- it was, I mean... I do the same thing with music that I love from the seventies, you know, or like the punk scene, the CBGB scene. I, I figured that had to have been like the greatest place ever. Like I would have loved to have existed in that. And then you have younger people who 
some reason would want to have gone to the Fireside Bowl to play to go see a band play. I mean, it was horribly nasty. But um, <laughs> the bathroom itself—I've never seen a bathroom like that ever in my life. Have you been to um, Liars Club? No, I've I've heard I've heard I I don't know how it could be worse. I mean, it probably is. I don't know, but I haven't been to Liars Club. But um, I don't know. I think about that era. I'm sh- and then Jason can talk about this as well. Um, I was thinking about it today. There was a strange sort of confluence of of things that took place between Jason and I. I had actually moved in with an old friend of ours who was playing in a Screeching Weasel at the time. It was Dan Sullivan who played drums, and I was. I was his roommate and Dan says one time one day he's like, do you know, Jason Doubledinger lives down the street. And I hadn't seen Jason in like two or three years. And I'm like, that's weird. And I think we hung out and I'm like, dude, we should totally start a band. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had been in a band before in 89, 90. Um, so we started playing, uh, we would rehearse in, um, in our basement, uh, over on Albany and Fullerton, which was literally a block away from the Fireside Bowl. Yeah. And they had just started having shows there. So it it does seem cosmic in a way that we were like right there at the beginning and were able to see bands that went on. I mean, Green Day stayed at my house, you know, a year before Dookie had come out. I mean, there were so many strange things that took place in that time frame that, you know, sometimes I'll tell, you know, people that are in their 20s some of these stories and they're just totally like they're like what the fuck are you serious and you know they look at me like i'm a middle-aged man but i mean there was a lot of stuff that was going on so when you say camelot i guess it was camelot in a way but it was a shitty camelot i don't think you can drop the fact that green day stayed at your house without explaining for people who have no context for that how did how did something how does something like that happen well, so Dan, who Dan Sullivan, who was Danny Panic and uh, Screeching Weasel, was the drummer of that band at the time, and they were on Lookout Records, same label as Green Day. So whenever a band would play at the Fireside Bowl, they would they would usually stay at our house a lot of times. Um, but in this instance, um, I'll preface it by saying it was Mike Durant from from Green Day that stayed in my apartment. He stayed there for about three weeks because Screeching Weasel was recording an album in our basement. And it's called um, and Friends and Influence Enemies, I think it was. And that was the record they were recording. And they had had a, like a, a recorder in our basement. And Mike, they were between bass players. So Mike um, came from California and stayed with us. And at the time, this would have been 94, summer of 94. So Dookie, I don't believe it had come out at that point. Or it was yeah. right about to. It was a right, right about yeah. to, but Green Day was legendary, even among like kind of the underground. So I was so stoked that he was, you know, they, they, Green Day at one time were like my very favorite band, like 90, 91. And so I was totally stoked that he was there. And, um, and it was like, and I mean, so, but like Jason can attest to this as well. He like, he would hang out with these people and then all of a sudden they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 30 years <laughs> later. And it's like, I'm in yeah. and like you know, in other small clubs, and I stayed at their 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 practice space in Berkeley when when me and our other friend John went out to uh to San Francisco. It was just like that's what we did, and then like yeah, all of a sudden Dookie hit, and they played at the Vic, and they were like ginormous, and it just <laughs> took off from there, you know. But it was yeah, it was it was really strange, and that was the era too. That was that era of always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. 
like lots of artists got, got their big weddings and then a lot of other artists were just there, you know, holding someone else's bouquet. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned, like Braden kept jazz here. So like, you know, we, those were like our cousin's weddings that we got invited to and, you know, it's still, <laughs> but we just, we didn't, we didn't tough it out. Um, I mean, we, we had good songs. We played some, some good shows. We played with, with both those bands at Metro had an absolute blast. Um, and, uh, and then we just got distracted. Um, we were notorious drummer killers. Um, <laughs> we like, we, John and I, pers- uh, um, John, you want to tell the carnival story or should I tell the carnival story? Oh, you should tell that story. You're good at that. <laughs> so I, I would drive to practice. Um, and uh, we had a, a rule that was, it was the carnival rule. And if we saw a carnival on the way to a practice or a show, we were going to the carnival. It's a good rule. It's a good rule. Yeah. I mean, because potential for churros, definitely Ferris wheels, you know, we're gonna have whack, some- whack-a-mole, skee-ball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lots of things can happen at a carnival that aren't going to happen at lay mass practice. So anyway, so um, we had, we had Dan Panic Sullivan uh, was our first drummer. Um, he went on to play really fast at other, in other bands. Then we played with uh, Kim Ambrose and she eventually tired of our shenanigans. <laughs> Um, and then Brian Peterson from Fireside tried out with us. Um, who else, John? Who am I missing? Scott? Some... What? Scotty? Well, well, Scott, yeah, Scott then became our, like, oh. our, our kind of legacy drummer. He was the guy that we, we recorded with at, uh, uh, at Albini's place. Um, we did the, the original Driving on Red Line with him and a couple other tracks. Um, he was the last guy we played with until the reunion 12 years ago. Uh, we played with John Flood then. We split again, and then we I called up Jerry, who uh, I used to work with at Tower. And actually, it, uh, this this week is our two-year anniversary with Jerry for a show. Woo! Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the G-Man show for Baseball Furies. That was our first gig uh, with this full lineup. So that's coming up uh, real quick. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the traditional second anniversary gift is cotton. So <laughs> we exchanged underwear. Okay, good. Good. I just I want to make sure that you were taking care of each other's wants and oh, yeah. needs. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, let's let's stay in the '90s for another another minute or two. You guys, you burned out really quick. I mean, yep. you you were done by '96. I mean, that was that was like supernova, just boom, gone. Mm-hmm. What what caused the, the the quick flame out? It was me, I think mostly. <laughs> let, let's, let's let Rob talk. Oh yeah, so Rob. Whoa. I'm John's brother, and I was not yeah. in the first incarnation band. I was a fan. Like I saw their first show. I went to college the summer '94, and I remember you guys played. I think that was the same summer. Or did you play? Mm-hmm. In, yeah. So I saw their first show, and I remember going away to school, and John was just playing with his friend. And I come back in that fall and all these bands that were blowing up at the time when I was in college, like Braid and Captain Jazz, well, my brother was playing with them. And so it was, it was like a Camelot for me. I was a huge fan of that music at that time. And that fact that my brother was in this band playing with those bands was so amazing to me um, just as a fan. So I only remember the good things. I don't remember the the bad bathrooms at places (laughs) or stuff like that, but I can speak to why they broke up because John's my brother, and I think it was the winter of 
1995. Is that right, yeah. John? Yeah, that's right. John got a four-track recorder, and he discovered Guided by Voices and Elvis Costello, and he was like, I'm going to write pop songs. And Teenage he Fan Club. And I was writing weird shit. Yeah. I was full on into teenage fan club and Jason hated that shit. And, and there was like, there was a, there was a kind of like an artistic difference at that point. I played in my, my demo, which I called doleful lions. I'm like, what do you think? Do you want Do you want to do something like this? And he's like, no. Like this <laughs> and, and so that was kind of, I mean, that was the kind of the end of it, I think. So you, you stayed friends or was it acrimony? No, not really. I mean, like, Honestly, I moved to North Carolina like the next year um, and recorded a record with Mitch Easter. So I was living out this kind of like, yeah, like this REM type dream, you know, of like melodic jangly rock. So I moved to North Carolina for like five, six years. So I hadn't talked to Jason that entire time. Um, it wasn't like an acrimonious thing. It wasn't, we didn't hate each other at all. It just, we kind of, you know, drifted apart. Yeah, and the, the band fizzled and then he moved away. Um, we, uh, we went to see Dolphal Lions play at, um, oh my God. Shubas. Shubas. And a uh, couple friends came and that was the first time I'd seen John in a few years and we talked and we like totally, there, there had never been like the, the Davies brothers, you know, angry spat. Yeah. We just, you know, split. And, you know, I think that's, I guess that's kind of unique. Um, yeah. yes. A band that doesn't break up under shitty circumstances, but we just kind of like went our separate ways and then came back and we've like, we never weren't friends, which was really cool. No. I've known it's, Jason since I was 17, since I, you know, 1989. So it just, that we're, we're, we were going to allow that to like, you know, make us not like each other because he doesn't like teenage fan club. <laughs> not, it's not the reason. Yeah. That seems awfully petty if that, that were to be yeah. a reason. Yeah. yeah. But in, in the, in the short time before the supernova, uh, you did manage to record an album's worth of stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was yeah. Epiphany Wants to Come Home. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it, was it that, the sort of thing where you recorded the songs by the time you had them, everything mastered? You're like, well, screw it. We're done. Let's just, <laughs> this, this is going on the, on the shelf. Well, I mean, that's, should I, should, do, should I say yeah. this? Go ahead. Okay. No, name names. It's, I'll name names. I don't care. You know, it's Water Under the Bridge. It's fine. Okay, so there was a guy who was putting out records, um, a label called Action Boy 300 Records. His name's Billy Smith. His name is still Billy Smith. <laughs> he put out <laughs> Dianoga's first record. He put out, he put out a couple other really, like, cool things. And he had, like, you know, yeah, I want to put out your record. I want to put out your record. So we're like, awesome. That's amazing, you know? So, well, yeah, we'll do it. So we recorded these songs at, at Steve Albini's studio with Tom Zalewski, the bass player from Tar. And we and we went there. Um, Steve was really nice. He like gave us a really good rate when Shellac was gone, like on tour. I think they were in Europe. So no, actually, I think he was recording the the Page yeah. Plant record at the time, which is that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. And so um, we were in his house recording uh, with with Tom Zalewski. So we recorded those tracks over the course of I think like Jason like three weekends or something. It wasn't it was really quick. And we mixed it, and then um, Billy ghosted us. I mean, that's that's kind of like the the new I'm way interested. of saying, yeah, you just stopped talking to us, and like it was totally heartbreaking to us. I mean, honestly, that had a lot to do with I think us breaking up. Was that you know we were pretty you know sad <laughs> that we had worked <laughs> yeah. hard on this record, and the guy that said he was going to put it out didn't put it out. So um, kind of left holding that record. <laughs> 
and didn't there, release it until last year. That's crazy. It, yeah, it's like running a marathon then cramping out right before the finish line and like collapsing. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it felt like. And and I mean, Jason can probably attest to this too. It hurt our feelings. I mean, like yeah. I was talking about emo. I was like crying about it, you know, like, yeah, this is, I'm so inspired, you know, by Billy totally ghosting us that I'm uh, going to write a whole record of emo songs. Well, here's the thing. I mean, it, it's now seen the light of day. It, it's, you can now listen to it. It's really good. I mean, Billy, you missed it, bro. I mean, that it's a good album. I, I went back and listened to it. Like I told Jason this a couple of years ago and I was always kind of like, I don't know. But I listened to it like totally fresh years and I'm like, this is good. This is kind of like, I was thinking like kind of post hardcore, but kind of twee in a way. Cause it's kind of like, you know, it's not so precise. It's not at the drive-in. We were never at the drive-in. We were more like beat happening meets at the drive-in. And that, that's what I thought. Like kind of like there's a, there's a sort of like sloppiness to it. That's charming. So, so I was like, this, this maybe could have done something. I don't know. Well, it certainly sounds it sounds like it fits in perfectly with that moment in time. Like, yeah, it, it sounds like it could have stood on its own in that moment. A missed opportunity. We had a strange neck where our sound was every song was different than the other ones. We didn't have like you would recognize Green Day songs on an album. Like, you know, this one's this, this would be blah, blah, blah. Like with Cinco, like our songs didn't sound like each other. Like they were always very disparate on an album. And I like, I love that. Uh, and I think John loved that too. And it was just, that's how we wrote. Like if the song started to sound too much like another song, we trashed it and would work on something else. So. So you went away. Um, John pursued his, his jangly uh, <laughs> REM desires. Yeah. 2009 things came back around mm -hmm. what did that feel like was it like oh what 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 were we doing of course we're doing we're we're playing together again like yeah it, yeah rob said this to me one time rob was like you know dude you like left chicago right when things were blowing up in the late 90s and then you went to north carolina where nothing was going on like you you like like you said the bridesmaid never the bride i just i have such bad instincts you know so bad <laughs> I think we have a new album title though now with uh, <laughs> oh, was the prize oh, yeah. yeah yeah but, but that was that was it. it it was like one out of every four musicians got plucked out of obscurity and put into the 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 meat grinder yeah in, in that era it was bananas yeah. it's totally crazy and then i went to north carolina and shared a practice space with whiskey town before they were popular so i don't know maybe i have this thing where i can just touch these bands and become totally famous like Ryan Adams was a guy I drank with all the time back in like 1997 and 98. And then all that of a sudden is. I see him on MTV and I'm like, what the fuck, dude? I, I'm just hoping that whatever kind of awful timing karma you have somehow translates to podcasters as well. Like, oh, wow. You know, <laughs> oh, I know, right? We, we're on Car Con Carney. Next thing, next thing we know, the fucker's got like a million dollar deal with Spotify. Totally. I, <laughs> I will touch you, Jim. I'm touching you, James, through the screen with my, with my horrible luck. You know, we can't break out a beat kitchen. What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> beat kitchen. I'm kidding. Beat kitchen is an awesome. No, no, no. <laughs> trying to be illustrative with my examples. No, I know. I know. So, all right. The band Cinco de Gatos became an ongoing pursuit again in 2018. 
catch me up from there. Uh, so, <laughs> so we had, um, so baseball furious was going, James, you and I've talked about that. And, and, uh, you, you should explain what that is. Cause people may not know. Series is, uh, it's, it's a series that I'm putting together. Uh, me and, and a group are putting together about, um, weird rock musicians who are completely obsessed with baseball and uh, John and Rob were in the, one of the very first interviews we set up in the basement of reckless records. And, you know, they had been, they were two giant baseball fans that I knew and like rolled into that. So once we got some, uh, a couple of years of stuff shot um, and we're ready to, you know, to do a big party at G man with uh, the, the help of everyone's friend, Joe Shanahan, um, we needed a couple bands to play. Uh, we got um, uh, the Diff with uh, Len Casper and uh, yeah. their Chicago uh, Wonders of Rock iconography. And um, <clears throat> we were hunting for a drummer. It was it was it was me, John, and Rob. And um, we had another friend of mine who was uh, another hockey dad. Um, we were John and I were playing with uh, his name's Jason. We were playing out at, in his uh, garage for. Uh, couple of years on and off and um he <laughs> we booked the uh the, the party at g-man and he texted me that day he's like oh shit i gotta go to san diego that weekend i'm not gonna be able to do it I'm like well okay so we like started you know um grabbing like thoughts of drummers that we had and uh, i just texted all the drummers i knew and jerry was the first one to write back <laughs> but that being said Jerry and I had worked at Tower years ago, and uh, Jerry's like hands down one of the best drummers I knew. And I was like, he probably wouldn't really be interested in playing this shit. Um, <laughs> That's and then he responded, and uh, <laughs> and I was like, this is the show. You know, let's let's put it together and see what happens. And we we started out at Fort Knox because that was what was going on then, yeah. and it uh, it clicked really well. And like you know, I, there's four very easy to get along with personalities in, in the room every time. So it's, and like we've expanded our, you know, chops because of we, we challenge each other. We now know, John and I now, now know how to play our instruments and having <laughs> yeah. you know, a lifer for a drummer teaching us how to like, you know, challenge ourselves. is pretty awesome. Oh, we're recording, Rob, we're recording this on a Friday night and you're at your practice space. I mean, yeah, yeah if that, that says anything about the band. <laughs> it totally does we practice every week we've been practicing every week for what three years now i mean even without shows and stuff just two years yeah yeah because yeah, or two years because we love to I mean, we like each other fairly well and rob's my brother i love my brothers well and i think it says something i mean this is the third nope. time third time's the charm yeah you got back together made this an ongoing thing mm -hmm. in, in 2018 and you've kept going through the pandemic. Like mm -hmm. if, if anything was going to take you out of commission again, it would have been the past couple of years. The fact that you, you powered through it, you're here on kind of the other side of it. Who the fuck knows? Uh, the fact that you're here now, I think says a lot about your commitment to moving this band forward and keeping it, keeping it going. Yeah. I, it's funny because one nice thing from the pandemic, if, if we can say that is like when, when we started and Rob lives out in Plainfield, Jerry lives in, Displains. Displains. John and I live in the city, but even John and I aren't very close in the city. Um, but we like started doing like Zoom meetings to talk about ideas yeah. and like just, you know, and then we started recording on on, uh, on GarageBand and like just 
you know, cobbling stuff together the way everyone's, you know, we didn't do it back then, but now we can do it, you know? So yeah. we just, it, it pushed us to learn how to use technology, you know, to our benefit and, and, and build some stuff. Am I the only one who finds GarageBand challenging? <laughs> no, Jason does. Jason I does too. definitely do. I mean, I, 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 I feel like Adobe Audition is easier than GarageBand. That's like NASA science, like all the different panels and stuff. Yeah. I'll have to check out it. What is it called? Adobe what? Audition. I'll check that out. No, I think I, I mean, I don't have any issues with GarageBand, but Jason said the same thing. Like, I can't. Didn't you say that, Jason? You couldn't figure it out or something? I have problems with the mic. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, was having I can come over, James, if you need some help. I guess. Well, once the pandemic lifts, we'll, we'll enjoy a nice yeah, NA, yeah. NA beverage. And, uh, exactly. That would be lovely. All right. So as we're looking forward, um, we're, this, is, this is releasing the week of the 24th. You guys are going to appear at the Double Doors open house. They call them Sunday sessions. They do them biweekly. And it's uh, you guys, David Singer, and a player to be named later. Uh, performing like doing a 30 minute set it's this very casual thing they've just got coolers of beer and uh shitty vodka available for anyone to grab and it's become a really yeah it just it's become this cool hang as double door is kind of remodeling this classic chicago building at broadway and wilson they're just inviting friends to and strangers and interested passers-by to to see some live music so i think that's cool that you're doing that on sunday the 30th right yeah, yeah sunday, yes sunday the 30th uh, that's a double door and you can, I think you can RSVP on double doors, Facebook or their website, or you could probably just show up too, but I don't want to be the one to say that out loud. I just did. Uh, but yes, <laughs> uh, I will be there and I'm looking forward to seeing you guys perform. Nice. Uh, I, I love your sound. I, I think I told Jason that right, right from the get go. when he started sending me music, I'm like, Oh fuck. I like, this is, this is right in my lane. I, I, I love what you do. Your sounds right on. Uh, and I am glad you guys decided what is now four years ago to to get back in the room and and do what you do Thanks, i think man. it's a win for all thank of us you. so thank you so thank much. you Seiko Degados. we'll see you at double door and uh, hopefully again once the once this fog lifts so hopefully we'll see a lot more and more often than that thanks right. james thank all you right.